the Jews and Muslims in this country are two minority religious communities, roughly the same size. And we are, uh, you know, we have a lot of things in common. We are the bookends of the three monotheistic faiths. You know, we are the first and the last, and we are absolute monotheists. So we have a lot in common. And the Muslim community, um, you know, can learn from the Jewish community's experience. And that is what we were doing. That's why we came to you, Joy. And that's why I came to you as a woman leader. I came to you because I knew that you would have the 360 degree view of everything and that you would ha you would understand our vision and you would embrace that vision because we were also trying to, through this project, bring our two communities together. How wonderful would it be if we could solve the big problems of the world as two community centers standing next to each other? So I am grateful for what you did and I think that the time has come for us to build some sort of a center, this kind of a center, perhaps maybe a center that actually uh, resolves some of the, the, the world issues. And I know that um, JC's in involvement at that time, although the project didn't come to fruition, meant a lot to us. Welcome to Season 5 of 76 West, recorded appropriately in an office at the corner of West 76th Street and Amsterdam Avenue in New York City. In past years, you've heard conversations with some of the great thinkers of our time. This season, you're going to hear the voice of one of them, Rabbi Joy Levitt. Sometimes she'll be by herself, sometimes accompanied by the amazing people who helped make the program she shepherded a reality. Joy works, worked, best in collaboration with others, people who pushed her, prodded, who inspired her as much as she inspired them. That's going to be, is, her legacy to the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan, a spirit of positivity, of moving onward and upward, taking a simple idea, a Jewish community center, and elevating it beyond what anyone would use as their definition. In 2009, plans were announced to convert a building in Lower Manhattan into a center for the Muslim community called Cordoba House. Among the leaders of this project were Daisy Khan and her husband Faisal, a Sufi imam. Khan, a native of Kashmir, was the leader of two nonprofit organizations, Muslim Leaders of Tomorrow and the Women's Islamic Initiative in Spirituality and Equality. In planning the center, Khan reached out to Rabbi Joy Levitt, then the executive director of the JCC in Manhattan, for advice both large and small. What resulted was a friendship that sheltered both through the cultural storm that erupted around the community center, which became known for a brief time as the Ground Zero Mosque due to its overstated proximity to the 9-11 site. In today's episode, we'll hear Joy and Daisy recall that turbulent time and how one project designed to benefit a community blew up as a result of the country's increasing polarization. So for several years before 2010, I can't remember exactly when it started, we were kind of a consultant to a small group of, I would call them entrepreneurs, who were interested in creating a community center for the Muslim community that looked a lot like 
JCC Manhattan. Uh, one of the people involved had brought his son to swim here or his children to swim here and understood the power of community to, um, to bring people together, to elevate a set of values um, and inculcate uh, a tradition. And I think he saw the possibility. And Daisy and Faisal... I, well, it was really Daisy, for the most part, that was involved here, Daisy Khan. And, and they would come periodically to talk about such incredibly important issues like where do you park strollers and is there enough room for shoes? One of my all-time favorites because the JCC Manhattan is not a prayer space, but this new community center was going to be a prayer space because Muslims need, need a place to pray five times a day. And while they can do it anywhere, <laughs> um, it would be nice, obviously, for them to have a space where they could do that. So um, we talked a lot about very practical issues, how big the pool was going to be. Could they have a pool? What would that look like? How to raise money? And they had a much more serious challenge than we did because I can't remember, uh, but there are multiple languages within the Muslim community and there are American Muslims and there are Muslims from the Middle East and from, from India and, and Indonesia and all over the world who are here. And while they share a common religion, they don't necessarily share a common culture. And how to bring those folks together was important. And finally, you know, the JCC exists in a very, very big Jewish community from a geographic standpoint. There are 90, 100,000 Jews who live right here on the Upper West Side. And so we kind of had them. Whereas figuring out where to locate this community center that would be in a place that significant numbers of people could access it was hugely more challenging. And finally, there was a fundraising challenge. We have an affluent community that was very supportive of building this JCC. It was gonna be much more challenging for this effort um, to raise the necessary funds. But that didn't stop them because they were just incredibly, um, mission-driven and enthusiastic. And so that's where things were until an article appeared in the New York Times in December 2009 announcing that a site had been located and plans were being drawn up. And now I'm going to pass it to my friend and colleague, Daisy Gone. So uh, this article was so wonderful. It was a full page article. It had all the validators, Christian validators. It even had the 9-11 Museum saying that they would welcome a center like that, if you can imagine that. Uh, we had Jewish leaders that said that they would welcome such a center and they would support it. And everything was exactly the way we had imagined it. We had this wonderful article and then all of a sudden, we heard that somebody had tried to landmark this building a month later and that they had found a way to legally stop this project. 
although the building was had no landmark, you know, um, no landmark issue whatsoever. It was never put on the landmarks calendar, but they tried to calendar it on the basis of some some fictitious thing that the facade had some landmark quality to it. So that was that was the first time we actually realized that there might be a potential opposition group that is trying to prevent this project. But we went ahead because we had so many supporters, so the attorney recommended that we try to get the community board support, the local community board support. So we went to the local community board, and and uh, we showed them the plans of what we wanted to do, and it was just a finance committee, and we knew people in that community because, don't forget, our mosque was only 12 blocks from there, from that location, and it was in our neighborhood, so it was ideal uh, because our mosque had outgrown the space, and because there's an influx of immigrants that continually come to America, and they oftentimes land on Canal Street, many of them, because they are trying to make a living and the financial district is a hub for many people to, you know, come and work. So so there, there's a transient Muslim community very much present on Fridays, which is when people congregate for their prayer. So we could we we knew that there would that it, it that it would draw a lot of people, uh, especially those who are, you know, in Manhattan during during work days. So we uh explained to the landmarks, uh, we had a PowerPoint presentation, we showed what the building might look like. Of course, a lot of it was modeled after the JCC because in conversations with you, you told us, make sure you have a wedding space. We made a mistake. We did not have a wedding space and we knew knew we needed a wedding space because weddings were always happening and people were looking for that kind of space. Uh, you also said, you know, what what is a swimming pool going to look like? Are you going to segregate people? Because, you know, some people are conservative. They don't want us swim at the same time so we talked about that and then we had the shoe crisis and you said well you got the shoe crisis we got the stroller crisis so so there were many things that you told us including you know I said we really because we have such a diverse culture one of the unique things that we really bring to the table is our cuisine which is very rich and very diverse and it's something that can really enrich New York, right? Who doesn't want to? And you said, ah, do your cooking classes. So we inserted the cooking school and the cooking classes, you know. So we had exhibition space. We had, you know, we, we, we wanted to show our art. We wanted to engage people from the different portals that people come through, right? Religion, education, sports, you know, um, social. Sound familiar, listeners, right? So, you know, I'm sure those of you who followed this story as it unraveled in, in really unbelievably challenging ways are surprised to hear the nature of its origins because it so quickly got distorted into something that had nothing to do with the JCC or the vision um, of Daisy and her colleagues. So we were showing this, and then somebody asked, well, what's on the 13th floor? So we had put the prayer space on the top floor, you know, not realizing that it would take, like, two hours for the people to get from the, from the floor. Like, no, nobody figured out that, <laughs> how you're going to get in the elevator, the elevator syndrome. But, you know, it was just there because it was a mock-up. It wasn't the real thing yet. 
And then somebody said, well, what about parking? We said, what parking? Nobody's parking. It's Manhattan. No, everybody's coming on foot. We don't need parking. So um, anyhow, at that moment, we noticed that there was a man with a long lens camera shooting away. Click, click, click. I could hear the press photographers clicking. And I turned around. I saw a young man. And as the meeting ended, the entire financial uh, committee basically voted on it. They said they loved it. They said, "Have you? Uh, can you provide senior citizen space? And we said, oh, we Muslims, we love our seniors. You know, We have a lot of regard for our elders. Why wouldn't we want senior citizens? So we agreed. We also said that we would include a memorial space for, for Muslims because 60 Muslims had died in 9-11 and no one was talking about them. So we wanted to memorialize that. So create a little memorial space. And it would be, the center would be really an interfaith center where all faiths would be celebrated because we had relationships with you, the JCC. We had relationships with the Christian community. We wanted those partners to engage with us, right? And then I asked the photographer, who are you? And he said, oh, I'm just taking pictures. You know, I'm with Daily News and it's going to be a small story. So next morning we woke up (laughs) and, and, you know, the story was 13 story mega mosque near Ground Zero. And it wasn't a bad article at all. It was actually a fairly good article because it explained what we were doing. But the next day, guess who seized on it? New York Post. And that's when it was coined as a ground zero mosque, as if the mosque was being built inside the ground zero. And it was before mid-year elections. So guess who seized on it? All the politicians that now knew that the Muslim issue would become a perfect wedge issue. So all of a sudden, the news became about the ground zero mosque and... And unfortunately, as this was going on, ADL came out and make their statement. Yeah, we'll say a little bit more about ADL in a, in a minute, um, because that's a very interesting story as well. But the story kept getting elevated and finally appeared in the New York Times. And I was interviewed, and I actually had a conversation with one of our board members who um, does advertising and PR about how to address, you know, this question because it was already controversial. Um, And he said, you need to lead with strollers. You need to make, you know, make this human, make this about what it really is because people are losing sight of that, which I did and which the Times um, picked up on. This, This was never about the project. I, I remember um, one, of the, one of the news commentators that we talked with saying, look, you have to understand, it's August. Congress is out of session. They got nothing to talk about. This disappears. The story will go away. Uh, and as it turned out, he was correct. But things got really, really heated after the New York Times And uh, there were threats on my life. I'm sure there were threats on Daisy's life and on Faisal's life and on Sharif's. I have no idea, but I'm sure there were. I would say the next thing that I remember was that we got a call from Christian Amanpour, who at the time was running 
was was hosting a show on ABC, would Daisy and I come on the show? It would require us to be in Washington quite early on a Sunday morning. And here's what I really remember about that. Poor Christian's people, because they had to deal with two very significant issues. I don't travel on Shabbat, so I had to figure out how to get to Washington um, Saturday night um, after sundown or early Sunday morning. Daisy, it was during Ramadan, so Daisy needed to be somewhere where she could eat at 5.30 in the morning because she wasn't going to be able to eat the whole day. So they were busy trying to work out the logistics because we weren't going to be able to fly together. We did both get there. I don't even remember when. And I remember um, saying to Christian beforehand, and in fact, our PR director had said to her, look, you need to keep this away from politics. Joy is there to talk about the JCC and what community centers do. I want to play you something that the former House Speaker Newt Gingrich said about the plans to build this center near Ground Zero. Nazis don't have the right to put up a uh, sign next to the Holocaust Museum in, in Washington. We would never accept the Japanese mm. putting up a site next to Pearl Harbor. Right. Uh, there's no reason for us to accept a mosque next to the World Trade Center. Let me ask you directly, because he did bring up uh, Nazi imagery there. What do you make of that? Well, that's terrible imagery. But I think Mr. Gindridge has never been to the JCC. And he's never seen, you know, moms taking their babies to our swimming pool. He's never seen teenagers making sandwiches for homeless shelters. He's never seen uh, husbands coming to grieve for their spouses in a bereavement group. That's what goes on in JCCs. And that's what you, you plan for the, for the Islamic Center? Exactly. And, and he also has never been to Tribeca. Everything was like a blur. And you talked about receiving death threats. I have two binders because we were getting regular mail that was hate mail and we actually had to create, a, we had to borrow the next door office so people could open up the mail. And we had to have volunteers that came in. All kinds of volunteers came out of nowhere. They want to volunteer for us. And they were just sitting there opening the mail and recording it. And so I have two binders. One binder is full of love mail. And the second binder is full of hate mail. Fortunately for us, the love binder is a much bigger binder than the hate mail. And that is when I realized that there truly are two Americas. Yeah. The way the story was shaped in the press, you know, from New York Times, then there was the CNN, Fox running the story all the time. We were the most cited story in America. I will say there were some heroes, and, and I have to say Mayor, Bloom, Mayor Bloomberg was one of them. He came out you know, in a strong statement of support um, and tried very hard to make sure that people understood what this was about and, w and what it wasn't about. I heard that Bloomberg, when he first heard about this story, it reminded him of his own family because apparently his father could not buy his own home in his own name. 
So he actually had to buy the name through somebody else because Jews couldn't, you know, couldn't, like you said, the Jews couldn't establish a synagogue. And it took an act of Congress. I remember that vividly. And I often tell that story to other people. I said, how quickly you forgot you know, this is not, this is the, the repetition of the same thing. So I think that Bloomberg really, for him, it became very personal. Yeah, and I would also say another hero there was JCRC, um, who we spoke to in the early days, the Jewish Community Relations Council. Um, and the people at, at JCRC knew Faisal and Daisy well, because they've been in this interfaith conversation for years. So it it, it was just so startling how distorted this story got because I think there were genuine feelings of concern around what was going on in the World Trade Center space. It wasn't visually at the World Trade Center, but I understand the, the strong feelings that people have. This was a terrorist attack. I, I understand all of that. But none of that was getting talked about in any kind of reasonable way because this was just an opportunity, frankly, for the media and the, these politicians to jump on, on this story and distort it for their own purposes. The ADL um, was quoted in the New York Times article as saying... While, as I recall, while the Muslim Community Center certainly has the right to build, we think it's a, insensitive to the victims of 9-11. And that was a bad call. I mean, it was a bad call for us because we were another Jewish entity that was fully engaged in this um, process. Um, and it was a bad call because... They should have known better, frankly. The ADL stands against hate in all forms. It has a sterling reputation. And this was just, a, I think, a bad call. So Jonathan is, I don't, I haven't talked to Jonathan about this, but his lead up to 9-11, he was looking at the 20th anniversary. And he spoke on CNN and said, this was a bad call. And the ADL needs to apologize to the Muslim community for having gotten it wrong. And it was, for me, a huge statement. And I wrote to Jonathan right away because I, I really felt like that's what good institutions do. We all make mistakes. Acknowledging them publicly at the risk of maybe alienating some people, but doing the right thing that's an impressive organization, and I have nothing but admiration for ADL for having come out um, in, in that way, and gratitude for CNN for, for carrying it. I just want to say a word about the JCC's place here, because it was not without controversy even at the JCC. And I remember having an important conversation with a very thoughtful board member who said to me, look, it's not like I think you're wrong or that, you know, they shouldn't build this community center. I just don't know why the JCC needs to be embroiled in this national mess in which your life has been threatened 
and the JCC's reputation is, you know, at risk. And, you know, we, we need to do kind of cost-benefit analyses when we get involved in these kinds of situations because, like, we're a community center. Like, what has this got to do with our work? And it was a really important, it's one of the seminal conversations of my career because I looked at this person and I said, the reason that you are involved here and that you have given so much of your talent and time and treasure is because we're an important place. And we're not an important place because we have a gym and a pool. We're an important place because we are at the nexus of what it means to be a full citizen in this community and be a partner with other religious traditions and other faiths and other ethnic groups. And, and we are here to strengthen the fabric of city life. And we are here to do that by elevating Jewish values. That's why we have to be in this. That was Daisy Kahn with Rabbi Joy Levitt. 76 West is a presentation of the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan. The series was produced and edited by me, Eric Winnick. Our theme music was written and performed by Peril Wolf. If you enjoyed this podcast, please check out the other seasons of 76 West, available on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere else podcasts are available. You can also listen to our episodes at mmjccm.org slash 76 hyphen west. Please subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. Every little bit helps. Until next time, we'll see you around the neighborhood.